for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to another episode of the Season 23, powered by the Fall Podcast. This is your co-host, David Riley, and I'm coming to bring you guys a season update today. But before we get into that, I just want to say a quick thank you to all of our partners. Latitude Outdoors, Helix Broadheads, Garmin, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Buck Bourbon, America's Best Bowstrings, and Prime Archery. And remember guys, you can go over on the, any podcast platform that you listen to, go down to the show notes and you can find discount codes for pretty much all of our partners. Go over there and save yourself some coin. Well, here we are guys. It has officially been five days since I shot Big Barry. Um, quick recap of that night. Um, you can he- listen back to full details on the last season 23 episode I did. But I shot Big Barry on the night of October 11th, last Wednesday night. You know, I talked about it already, but my first initial thought when I shot him was I was a little bit far forward on him and maybe a little bit low. But after recovering my arrow and finding the front 11 inches broke off and blood spraying everywhere, I felt a lot more comfortable and confident with that shot. That night, my wife, my daughters, and my grandfather and I, we picked up the blood trail after three hours of letting the buck just, you know, do whatever he needed to do. Well, 800 yards later of just pouring blood, a walking blood trail for kids. You know, we're talking my one daughter's 15 and my other one's 11. They just walked it. We didn't have to search for blood. They just walked it. Well, around 800 yards, we jumped Big Barry up. And when we jumped him up, we talked about, do we keep pushing to keep him bleeding or do we just back out? Well, my gut instinct told me to back out. We jumped him, let's just let him be. 
but come back the next morning. He was bleeding good, but I won't lie. He had already went a long ways, you know, 800 yards. So it was very obvious to me that I, I didn't hit the heart. And if anything, that's what I thought I maybe did was, was you know, heart shot him. So we come back the next day. Aaron drove down. Super thankful for that. He drove down we, and we pick up on the blood trail. Once again, we have a walking blood trail. And this time, we almost walked it for two miles. And somewhere right before the two-mile mark, he shut off. He had stood there in an area, pulled up the blood on the ground, and whatever step he took from there, we just never found any more blood. My wife Amanda found like one more speck, and that was it. And that was like right after he had stopped and pulled up. That was day two of trying to recover him. And at, now we are knocking on three miles. And that's three miles of blood trailing. And I'm talking, you know, up until the end. This was a walking blood trail. And, you know, Aaron's been on a lot of blood, on a lot of, you know, track jobs. My wife's been out with me on a lot of track jobs. They, they both see blood extremely well. And even on the second day, I can recall them saying, it just, this is a dead animal. He, he's going to die. The, the, this kind of blood, when you see blood like this, they die. Well, at the end of day two, you know, calling it a day as a sunset, I, I just, I was left without an animal at the end. And, man, that was, uh, that was head scratching. You know, like I, I just, I just didn't know. I, it just didn't make sense to me. The only thing that did make sense was the fact that the one thing I have learned over the years that these, you know, these big mature animals, they just die differently. And their will to survive is different than any other animal those that walks those same woods and swamps here in Michigan. They're just built differently. Well, I woke up on the morning of day three. So now it's Friday, October 13th. I take my kids to school and my one daughter tells me, Dad, I, I had a dream you found them today. And I, I can remember her saying that to me. I said, boy, kiddo, I, I hope you're right. I says, because I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm going to walk all day. And now I bring a dog in with me. And we, we, just, we walked and walked and walked. Day three found seven new miles on my boots. And if I did seven miles, I bet you the dog did ten, if not eleven. And we just grid searched and grid searched. We did. We circled back all the way to the shot site. We circled back to where I jumped him. Just you know, just just double checking because the one thing that was obvious to me over the first two days was that Big Barry did not want to leave the cover, and he had the opportunity to, but he just didn't. He was working the edge. He was working it like a security guard, just walking the edges. We worked the downwind side of a big, you know, canary grass property. 
walk the downwind side of a cornfield. Now the cornfield's pretty big. And I'm not saying that the dog would have picked up everything in there, but the dog did pick up a dead deer in there, but it was just a fawn, and I think it was actually roadkill. It, we covered the low spots in the cornfield. We covered we just we covered so much ground that to the point at the end of day three that I I felt I felt real confident that he wasn't on the at least the first three properties that I looked at. And and I should backtrack a little bit. I had to contact one of the property owners about walking on their ground. And this property owner was uh, he, so great to deal with, you know, because that's the one thing is you sometimes you don't know what you're going to get into when having to contact a property owner about, you know, that you have a wounded deer. You don't know their thoughts on hunting. You don't know their thoughts on, you know, if they like that there's a wounded deer on the ground. There's property owners that won't let you go out there. But this property owner was absolutely great to deal with. I mean, literally offered any of his help that he could, contacts, all of that. Well, day three comes to an end. I am somewhere around 10 miles on my boots. And I get home, and it had been raining all day. It was just nasty. We had east winds, and we all know those those easterly, stormy day kind of winds that they're, they're just not, they're not pleasant to be out in. I get home and I, I take a shower, get all my nasty clothes off, and I sit down for all about 10 minutes. I'm like, what else can I do? Well, I could go knock on more doors, and even though they're not big property owners, I could go knock on their doors and and just talk to them, um, maybe share a picture of them, which is something that I I just I do not do. But maybe if I share a picture of them, and in my mind, I'm thinking that if I share a picture of them, and maybe in a week or two they're out on their property and they find them, that they'll know whose deer this is. So I go knock on an, an entire stretch of of road. I go knock on every door. Now it's it's Friday evening, so not everyone's home. So a lot of people didn't answer at the time, but some did. I shared the picture. And there was one particular property owner that um, his wife answered the door, and she was as nice as could be. That he wasn't there at the time, but I kind of explained my situation. She took all my contact, you know, info, and she said, "I'll have him call you in the morning." And listen, I I've been down that road before. Where the property owner, oh yeah, we'll call it. Yeah, it, it, a lot of times it doesn't happen. Well, sure, sure. Sure shit, right around nine o'clock the next morning, like he called and we talked and he was like, dude, he's like, I've been there before. I know that feeling. He said, Why don't you come on down? Let's go walk. Let's go walk my land. And I said, Perfect, dude. I I instantly jumped at it, finished making my girls breakfast, hopped in the truck, drove, you know, drove all the way down to this property. And I jump out, and he's ready. He's got his rain gear on, because here we are, day four, and it's still raining from day three to day four. So we're still dealing with that. We're not going to see any blood. We're basically looking for a body at this point. And we cover, 
we he doesn't own a lot of ground, so it didn't take us long, but we covered all his ground somewhat pretty quick. You know, we we grid searched it right around two miles on my tracker, and I had the help with him, so we probably did around four. And as uh as we were getting ready to wrap up his property, he was like, "Well, I he's I actually have permission that we could go on the neighbors too if you want." And I was like, "Oh, perfect. I mean, it, it's not a great looking piece, but I mean, it's maybe it's a great looking piece for a you know big bear to go die on, go lay down and die somewhere." And uh, so we go walk that piece too, and that piece isn't as big, and it's kind of more open, but you know we try it. And we put another, you know, one to two miles on over there. So, you know, now it's day four. And now I'm knocking on, you know, 13 or 14 miles looking for Big Barry. And I have not turned up a single new clue. Nothing at all. And it's Saturday. And I'm kind of running out of options. I'm I'm running out of ideas. I've talked to all the property owners I can get the answer to the doors. I've I, I got property owners making contacts with their neighbors. The picture's out. I'm sending it to people. I'm sending you know, I'm asking landowners if they know their neighbors well to send it to them. Just anything to get this buck recovered. And the one property owner on day four, he said something to me that it, it kind of stuck with me, but I, it would, I think it's the way it should be where he was like, you know, he's like, I, I'll keep an eye out. He said, I don't bow hunt a lot, but I gun hunt. And he's like, if I come across him, he's like, I don't want your deer. That's your deer. And I, I like that because I, I've had someone take one of my deer before back in my younger days. And that was a bad feeling. You know, I, I never understood why someone would want to do that. So. I left on a really good note with that landowner. I felt good at the end of day four about all the property recovered. I felt good about him not being on those two particular pieces. So I, I you know, came home on the evening of day four and and uh, licked my wounds and and you know just pondered, you know, what could I have done differently? Obviously, I could have made a better shot, right? That's on me. The one thing about this all being on film is I can rewatch it. I can rethink about the whole situation, what an inch or two this way or that way would have done differently. But the one thing I I can't do is I can't take the shot back. All I can do is learn from it. So I wake up in the morning of day five. It's now Sunday. Like I said, I shot the buck on Wednesday night. It is now Sunday. And I'm starting to get to the point in my head that I know that I need to get back out into a tree and and just and hunt, right? Like I gotta get I gotta get back in the game. So I have a I have a hunting room in my house, and I I go downstairs and I kind of have intentions of getting my hunting stuff around to go hunting on day five Sunday night. And I'm sitting there looking at my hunting gear, and it's just like, you know what? I I can't go hunting. I couldn't bring myself to go out into the into the woods and go hunting. But what I could bring myself to do is put the boots on one more time, put the tracking clothes on one more time. Let's just go check 
areas that I know Big Barry has used over the years. And what I mean by that is I've been pretty open about how I've talked about this deer. This deer covers more miles than anyone, any single buck I've ever hunted before. I, I, his, his home range is probably three to four miles big. And obviously I can't cover all that, right? I don't have permission on all that. But I can go cover the stuff I do have permission on. Or maybe little pockets here, little pockets over there. I can drive around all these areas with my binoculars and just check, you know, in the little swales or ditches or woodlots, just anything. So day five I spent walking probably, you know, is right around two miles or so. And I know that doesn't sound a lot, but it, I covered a lot of ground because it, it was a lot of little areas, little pockets of, you know, woodlots, little swales, fence lines. I, I drove around looking for maybe turkey buzzards or crows. I stopped and would just listen with the windows down and the truck off. Here if I couldn't, you know, hear any crows squawking or anything like that. And there was nothing. Again. Day five brought absolutely n not a single new clue. And the sun set on day five, Sunday night, and, and that was it. I knew I was going to have to hang my hat up on day five with him. Monday was going to be a brand new day and brand new week. Back to being, you know, dad and a husband, back to work. I responsibilities were fully kicking back in again. Now, the feeling didn't get any better from one day to the next with me. I, I'm still really on the fence about if Big Barry will survive this or will he not. It, that's a hard pill to swallow, the thought of if he doesn't. I've talked to guys that say, you know, he's got to be dead with that kind of blood loss. I've talked to guys that say, you know, they're they're tough animals, man. He'll probably survive. He'll heal, and he'll maybe survive. You know, I look back at that shot, and all I can think of now is I had to be forward of his heart. I had to have clipped a couple of those arteries down there to get him to bleed the way he did. But he's also got 11 inches of arrow in him. Man, that's hard to that's hard to think about being able to survive that. But they are tough. They are real tough animals. But with all that being said, there is one real positive thing that I've seen come out of this. Is I decided to be very open about this story. I decided to share it because Truth be told, this is not the first time I've lost a deer. Now, it, it is the first time I've lost a deer that meant this this much to me. And I won't stop bow hunting, guys. And with that also means this this feeling will probably return some sometime down the road. Th that is that's how bow hunting works. You do it long enough, this stuff happens. These are wild animals and they're tough as hell. Let me tell you, tough as hell. I had a good buddy tell me, you know, this it's inches between life and death with these guys. And he's not wrong. It's exactly what it is. 
But the positive is, is the outpouring of messages I have received from people. You know, my, my close friends and family, they, they always have my back. They are, you know, they've always are encouraging. But through the podcast platform here on the fall, Instagram, it, the amount of messages is unreal. And there hasn't been a single negative one. I get a lot of, you know, thank you for taking us along. Thank you for being real, right? I'm not covering up. I'm not sugarcoating any of this. That you know, thank you for showing the next generation of you know reality sometimes with bow hunting, all of that. So to every single one of you that has reached out to me in the last five days, I have read every single one. I've tried to reply to every single one. I want you guys to know I appreciate the hell out of every single one of you guys. I thank you because those 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 messages made me go one more step, made me put one boot in front of the other and just keep walking. Yes, I came up empty-handed, but boy, I can tell you what. I feel like I did everything I can do. All I can do now is wait. Maybe a confirmation from a landowner that they seen them, a trail camera. Maybe someone contacts me that they found them. But until then, all I can do is keep moving forward, get back in the saddle, and go get after another buck. And that's exactly what I plan to do. But in closing, guys, I just thank you. I thank you for following along. I thank you for listening. I thank you for all the messages. They they truly mean the world. And with that, like Aaron and I said before, Big Barry is a true legend of a deer. And sometimes legends never die. <laughs>